I am so very excited to speak about this episode that I am about to touch on. I don't know if any of you have watched Lovecraft Country. It is sensational and it is exactly the type of TV that we need in 2020. It's brilliant writing, it's brilliant cinematography, everything about it, the acting, it's perfection and I 1000% recommend that you turn your television on to HBO Max and definitely tune in. Um, Welcome to Coco Explains It All. On today's episode, we're going to talk about episode 7 of Lovecraft Country, but I will be speaking specifically about the show. It is, it has been a while (laughs) since I come across a show that can blow my mind um, to this level. I, everyone knows about me and my love for television and my love for TV in general and acting and that's what this whole podcast stems from and what it's all about, the, the core of it, if I'm being honest. Um, I am a, an actor that has studied acting for over six years. So I get inspired when I see so many talented individuals bringing so much creativity to television today because I feel like for a while, television was oversaturated and Uh, There was just a lot of remakes and there was no originality. So I want to give a little insight into Lovecraft Country without trying to spoil it for you guys. Um, The reason I don't want to spoil it is because sometimes we need to hear about a show and what inspired it and who is the one that's behind it for us to even get the will to want to tune into it, right? So I figured what better way than to make this episode of Coco Explains It All about Lovecraft Country. So how I got into the show, I remember when it aired, I did not watch the first episode. Um, Justin, my husband, was watching it. He put it on. He was very excited about it and like open to it. I was drowning in my iPad probably looking something up for the business and what I've been working on. And I noticed that I kept getting distracted with what I was doing and I kept wanting to give the show my attention. I didn't understand it at first. I didn't, um, there were so many nuances to the show and so many different genres all in one. And I think that is exactly what made me interested because I think we're used to seeing TV shows that kind of stay on the same wavelength. And this one kind of gave you a whole new realm. So for me, if I could describe it, and this is actually something I said while watching it. And I told my husband, I'm like, you know, it's really giving me Indiana Jones vibes meets like The Shining, if I could say, or maybe like a M. Night Shyamalan kind of film. That's what it feels like. And what I want to say about that is think about it right now. Like really think about it with an open mind. You don't have to respond to me about it on social media or anything. But when have you seen a film that 
incorporates people of color in a, a bright fashion. And when I say that, I don't only mean like rich with money as a lawyer or like a hedge fund boss or, you know, they get their 15 minutes of fame, but they're like the bad lawyer. I don't mean in that way. I mean where we have stories and horror, horror films where we're not just that one character in the corner that you know is going to die in the first 20 minutes, you know, or the one that they indirectly make fun of. Have you not grown up thinking, you know how the black man always dies? Like, oh, there they go. They're going to kill off that person first. It's usually how it works. I remember growing up knowing that. And I remember always, this is so sad to to say out loud, and I I just realized this right this second, but I'm going to say it because I want to remind people that 15 years ago, 20 years ago, things were so different. I wanted to always be the, the lead in any scary film, even if I was not white like they were. And it was because I knew they were going to survive. I knew they were going to get out of it. I knew they were going to get through it. And when I say that, I don't mean because they were white and they were like they had the the smarts to do so. It was because I knew that Hollywood always set up the person of color in the film to to die or to have a minor role or a minor part in the film or in the TV show. And so I always wanted to be the main character, but I never looked like the main character. And I I battled that a lot growing up. So seeing this show have, have Black people in such amazing settings where it's not only, and I love, I don't want anyone to misconstrue me when I say this, but I love watching films now of um, systematic oppression, racism, slavery, our history, because a lot of times there are certain parts of our history that we have been kept from where we don't know, we weren't taught that part of the story. So seeing it in film, um, of course, if it's executed beautifully, seeing it in a film kind of helps you to paint a picture and to resonate more with what my ancestors may have gone through. But now, those were the only types of films that I was seeing Black people and leads in. It was never, it was never anything more than that. And, and that's all that I believe the fight is for, uh, equality, especially in Hollywood. So watching Lovecraft Country and seeing, seeing Black leads in a futuristic setting or in a setting where basically it has nothing. Yes, there is police brutality involved in this show, but the realms and the places that they go to and all the different worlds that this show takes you to are also so much more than just that. And it it kind of paints a full picture for you while explaining the history of Jim Crow and just the the terrible tragedy of what our world is even today. 
So I want to talk about Misha Green because while J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele are um, co-producers on the film, on this TV show, uh, Misha Green is a television writer and producer. She is a black, beautiful queen, let me tell you. And she's best known as the creator, director, writer, and producer of HBO's Lovecraft Country. And she's also the creator and executive uh, producer of the historical drama Underground, which I have not seen. Um, But now I am just so much more interested to watch that show, even though I did see that it was um, it won't be coming back for another season. I still want to give it a shot to see. How else, how else she writes things because her writing is really magnificent. I love where her brain takes you and it's just, it's beautiful to sit through this roller coaster because it is a roller coaster, you guys. It's going to make you feel as though you're watching so many different TV shows all at once and it has a lot of emotion. It has a, a lot of purpose, which I believe is very important when you're writing a masterpiece like it shouldn't only be about, you know, something that's maybe superficial or, or funny and comedy. It can also be something that hits home and something that we have to learn. And I always love to take something away from what I've watched. Um, so what is Lovecraft Country for those of you that have never seen it? Um, it is set in the 1950s and it follows actor Jonathan Majors, who plays the lead Atticus. Uh, his friend Journey Smollett, who plays the lead, second lead, of course, Letty, Leticia, and uncle, of course, Courtney B. Vance, whose name is George in the show. They head on a road trip to find Atticus' father who has gone missing. So the episodes take you through literally a genre whirlwind. And it's a family drama that basically explores the past and oh my gosh, very, very present realities of our world today with racism, family, love, but specifically black love, grown mature love, and and just the world that <laughs> they lived in back in the day and that we still live in today. Um, it takes you on a ride each week and you look forward to it, you miss it, you think about it throughout the week until Sunday hits again because it airs on Sundays on HBO Max. It's not good TV. It's great TV. It, it leaves an imprint on your heart and, and makes you really think. So let's talk about what inspired the show. Um, I want to specifically read from exactly what Miss Misha Green um, wrote, spoke of in an interview. And um, I was reading a lot on her and what she's done and the type of person that she is. I watched a bunch of her interviews. I like to do an in-depth research before I speak on anything. And she seems like such a cool person that I would vibe out with you guys and just write and just be creative with and just create with. And I would pray for the opportunity at some point to work with this woman. She is brilliant. I if There are two women that I really want to work with, and it's Shonda Rhimes and now Miss Misha Green. She is phenomenal. 
Um, so the show is inspired by Matt Ruff's 2016 book, Lovecraft Country. So yes, it is inspired by a book. Now there is a little bit of controversy because uh, the gentleman, Mr. Matt Ruff, he is actually known to create and write a bunch of racist themed books. Lovecraft Country is actually uh, set in the 1950s about Jim Crow America and the su- the supernatural peeking through the surface. Uh, but M- Misha Green made it her business. And this is what I love. She made it her business to flip the script on Matt's racist themed books. And this is what she said. I want to read. I want to read out exactly what she said in an interview because These are words I don't want to mess up, and I don't want to deliver this to you guys in any other form. Um, So the interviewer asked, the book the show is based on is set on the 1950s, but it seems so relevant in 2020. Did it feel that way to you? And she responds, Matt's book is beautiful. It's the idea of reclaiming the genre for people who the genre typically hasn't been for. I watch all these sci-fi movies and they're set in the future and there are no people of color in them. It's all white people being oppressed by robots. And I'm like, is this really a story of white people being oppressed? Anytime I'm adapting anything, it's always the beautiful first jumping off point that you have to take to a new place. When you're making art, you have to be making art of the times. And so it was just a natural thing to take the elements from his book that were still so relevant because history keeps repeating itself. And the interviewer asked recently, especially because of co-executive producer Jordan Peele, a lot of horror movies have become allegories uh, for racism and social issues. Why do you think that sci-fi and horror have become such popular vehicles to tell those stories? She replies, I think the genre's at its best when it's doing that, when it's a metaphor on top of a real life thing that's universal. It's happening all the time to women. It's happening all the time to people of color. It's experiencing it in a safe space where you feel like at the end of the day, the protagonist can win. This was so beautifully said because I agree with absolutely every word. And If you're listening to this right now, just think back. Try to think of all the films that do not include us, do not include people of color in certain settings. And here here is the last part between her and the interviewer that really got my attention and which is very true about the show. Um, They ask, the scariest part of the show's plot is the racism, not the monsters. Was that always your intention? She responds, one of the things we wanted to pull into the the series from the book was that the first episode, you're relived when the actual monsters show up. Like the idea of sundown towns, which I first learned about from reading the book, the monsters are the people and the people And the history is real, 100% real. And that is the scariest part about Lovecraft Country. While it is set in the 1950s, while we do know that it is a TV show, and we know it is a horror genre slash drama, so it feels very mythical and magical and um, 
it's in different realms. But the reality of it is that the scariest part is everything that's happening on the show, the whole basis of it is surrounded by racism and it's a journey that is scary, but also it hits home because we're experiencing this today. Now, I want to get into episode seven titled I Am without spoiling it too much. So I'm not going to give a breakdown of the entire episode, but I want to point out why this episode means so much to me, but why it should mean so much to you. And when I say to you, I am speaking to everyone, but I'm speaking to the black woman. I'm speaking to you. This episode takes on, I didn't know what to expect. And I have to say, I watched this episode. I usually watch every single episode with my husband. But something told me to watch the episode when he fell asleep. And so I did. And I felt that it was necessary for me to watch it alone. And when I tell you that I broke down... (laughs) I haven't cried like this since Grey's Anatomy, and it's been a minute. I have not cried like this in a long time. And there, there's always a piece of art that you connect with. A- anyone can say it. I know there are even people that aren't movie buffs or TV buffs. You connect with music. You connect with film. You connect with TV, with writers. And this episode was literally created for us. Hippolyta Freeman is the wife of George. And just remember this for when you go through episodes one, two, three, four, five, and six. Um, George is the is Atticus's uncle. And um he had gone missing. I, I don't, I'm not going to touch on what happens to him, but he goes missing. So Hippolyta is his wife and she goes on a search for him in this episode. She wants answers. She's trying to figure out and put pieces together of what has been going on. Now, the episode opens up with this beautiful gold time machine. Uh, that she actually stole because it it did not belong to her. Um, But she had been trying to figure out what it was. So she did not know what this thing was. And she had been looking for clues absolutely everywhere until her and her daughter go on this drive. And she goes to the last place where she remembers that George was and ends up finding a couple of things. There are a couple of clues to what happens in the episode later but one of the clues was like a uh, a pattern of sorts and she realized that that's the same pattern uh, the same stamp that is also on the time machine she doesn't know this is a time machine by this way by the way so she goes back home she tr- she's laying down she feels defeated and she looks at the time machine and realizes wait a minute there's a connection here what if I try this? And she ends up, I guess, moving one of the pieces and all of a sudden it all comes together. And 
she ends up finding a way to drive back to get answers to go to where this time machine coordinates are located because there's coordinates on it when she opens it and it has this key and it's it's very cool i'm telling you it's very indiana jones now on her drive there she goes by herself on her drive there she drives by a woman on a motorcycle i did not know this when i was watching the episode But when I was on Twitter, I learned of why and who that person was. Now, she looks at this woman as she's driving. She's listening to music. She's actually listening to Josephine Baker on the radio. Remember that I said that. And uh, this woman looks at her and smiles. And she's like, oh, my God. And she smiles back. And she feels, you can tell that her character feels a sense of hope, a sense of uh something that you didn't get to see in her throughout any of the past episodes. So as she gets to the location, she notices that it's like a a weird lot kind of weird area. And it has like a machine. She tries her best to get the machine on and finally ends up tapping it open. But two cops end up stopping her and grabbing her and asking her what she's doing there. And she pretended as though she didn't really know but it ends up that one of the cops tossed her like against the the big time machine thingy and it finally turned on and when it turns on it starts to blink like a, a time warp and it starts showing different worlds and the cops are perplexed everyone is shocked Atticus actually breaks in and shows up to help her and get the cops off of her and he actually gets one of the guys, he throws one of the guys into the time portal. But when he grabs um, Hippolyta, they're both standing there in awe because one of the cops were shot. She ends up shooting one of the cops out, out, out of self-defense, of course, because these are crooked cops, you guys. You will see when you watch the episode. You must watch this episode, please. Now, while this is all happening, Hippolyta gets sucked in by the time machine. When she wakes up, it shows coordinates with a very futuristic world. It's almost as if she it looks like she landed on the moon. The emotions I was going through when it was jumping from realm to realm was so... I never, ever experienced... I wasn't even paying attention to my phone. I wasn't blinking. I was just so enamored and so like focused on what was coming next because I couldn't figure it out. And I think I love that about this show. It's not the type of show where you can paint a picture and try to figure out where it goes, even though you know, we know about racism. We know what's been going on on the planet and what's been happening but you never know what direction they take on this show. So two humongous robots, futuristic looking robots walk up to her and basically take her. And now she wakes up in a white room. And this white room is what signifies the prison that she's been in on earth. She's been kept in her own prison while she's not one of her ancestors who went through the slavery she has her own form of it and it's been happening in america for her 
where she has been shrinking herself and who she is as an individual because of her being a black woman and because of her shrinking for her husband and and not going for her dreams. And a couple of episodes before, they allude to when she is with, I believe, a sister or a friend in the planetarium looking at stars and she discovers, she's telling her friend about a story where she discovers a comet and someone else took the credit for it because she was a black girl and she never got the credit. And she's always wanted to be an astronomer, uh, a discoverer. That has been her dream. And she let it go little by little living in America, which is modern day slavery somewhat. And all of the metaphors in this episode, I don't want to be too detailed, but I, I do want to touch on quickly the woman that was on that motorcycle. Her name, she's actually a real person and a real historical figure. And what I love about this show is that they give you real history and I have never heard of this woman until this episode. And had I not gone to Twitter and noticed that it was trending, because after I watched the episode, I wanted to know if people felt the same way that I did. So I ran to social media and everyone was talking about all of the Easter eggs that were in it of historical figures. The first one being Bessie Stringfield. So if you don't know who Bessie Stringfield is, she was born in 19, 1912, I believe, and she passed away in 1993. She was a black woman. She was a motorcyclist um, and the first African-American woman to ride across the United States solo. And she was a she was one of the first, I believe, dispatch riders for the U.S. Army during World War II. And she's definitely breaking, she's broken down barriers for both women and Jamaican American motorcyclists. She was inducted into the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. And I just feel like having her, I understand now why she was so happy and why she had so much hope in that scene when she was driving and she saw Bessie driving by. This is a woman who is living her dream and is living her truth and not letting anyone stand in the way of a black woman achieving goals and doing something that only quote unquote a man can do. And in that moment, Hippolyta felt like she was beginning to find purpose in herself. And she was starting to notice that she has a purpose and that she has had a dream that she has left and has pretty much put away. So it was nice to see the character development in this episode because you don't really see too much of her. You see some of her. But this is the episode that focused wholeheartedly on her. And when she now lands in this white room, um, a beautiful Serafina, I believe. She's like a robot with a big, beautiful fro and like just this beat, beautiful face. Her face was slayed to the gods. And she kept saying to Hippolyta, you are not a prisoner. 
You are free to go wherever you want to go. You are not a prisoner. Who are you? And Hippolyta couldn't answer the question. She was like, where am I? Complaining and screaming. And as any of us would, if this happens, you know, like, oh my God, just imagine if this happened to you. <laughs> Listen, I don't put anything past us after 2020. So we have not discovered everything on the planet and what what can happen and what cannot. So I never want to be ignorant to the fact that magic doesn't exist or that there are different realms in our world. We can't be the only entity on this planet. So this robot, beautiful woman, Serafina, keeps asking her, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? And Hippolyta then screams out, I want to be in Paris dancing with Josephine Baker. And in that moment, it was like the whole entire show switched. And it was a realm that sh it, it took us on a journey. And she ends up in Paris on stage. And she's disheveled. Hippolyta doesn't know how to do the dance. And she can't believe that she's there in Paris wearing a feathered bra, dancing on stage as Josephine Baker walks down the stairs. And the purpose of her actually going to Paris is because Paris has been, um, I learned this also on Twitter and from reading so many articles, you guys. So Paris has been a symbol of freedom from um, thought, sexuality, uh, just living on a, on a freer level. So Josephine Baker, for her, and funny guys, I said that she was listening to Josephine Baker on the radio when she was driving to this time machine and she passed Bessie Stringfield on the motorcycle. Um, Josephine Baker basically stands for freedom. And if you are not familiar with whom Josephine Baker is, she is a sensational woman from the 1920s who will never be forgotten. And she was the first black woman on a, uh, a movie, if I'm not mistaken. And she broke a lot of barriers down. She was a very a heavy activist on racism and equality. She just... She was the type of influence that a lot of women need today. And we were very lucky for her. Um, now, in this episode, another appearance is made by Miss Frida Kahlo. And she says a quote that I am obsessed with. She puts up her glass, and I didn't know this was her as well until I watched the episode for a second time. Um, she makes a toast saying, to girls like us who know when to create and when to destroy. And after that moment, it's a conversation between Hippolyta and um, Josephine Baker. They had now at this time gotten close. Uh, they show you how time has gone by because now Hippolyta is more um, familiar with the crowd and she knows the dance moves and she's enjoying herself. She's doing a little bit of drugs and a lot of dancing and living, something that you never get to see her character do, but something she's also hasn't seen herself do or hasn't allowed herself to do. So we start to see this is a metaphor for Hippolyta finally starting to notice how 
shrunken she's become in America and how white America has basically, as they say in um, the show, found a, they find a way to lynch her without her even noticing the noose. And the reason why this hit on such a ridiculous level is because this is something that I have been going through since 2018. I started to realize what was happening in my life and why I was working for someone else and putting my life on hold and why I didn't have the opportunity to drop everything and go for my dreams because there were so many, so many hiccups and so many things and disadvantages that came my way that stand in my way for being a half black, half Latina woman. So I wholeheartedly understood this and it made me proud because I figured it out before this episode, but I figured it out. And I hope that when you watch this episode, if you watch this episode, or even if you just listen to this and give it a shot, you're going to see how we are all living this life. And there are people, I, n- I never want to say all, you know, because there are people that are very happy in, in the lives that they have chosen for themselves. But I'm speaking for the people that have the people that have known that they were meant for a greater purpose and they stay stuck in a job that they have to fulfill because those are the only means that we have. Or sometimes a lot of people don't notice it until late, but we are shackled and we are brainwashed to believing that we have to live this way serving other people. And there's so much more to it. I don't want to really elaborate too much, but that lynch lynch her without even noticing the noose uh, line was so beautiful. And it was a moment of Hippolyta realizing that she's experienced so much more in that short time. And in that moment, she says, I am And whenever she said, I am Hippolyta, it was um, a metaphor for her realizing her purpose in that realm at that moment. And whenever she said it, it would send her to another realm. Now, in the second realm, she now ends up in literally like a the middle of nowhere in Africa. I believe it's a it is now called Benin. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But um, it is Benin, yes. Now, I didn't know that these group of women, powerful warrior women, were real women. You will think that they are metaphors. You would think that they are myths or urban legends. But these are real women. The Dahomey Amazons um, in the episode, 
she's now in a training where she has to regain her power and reclaim her place in her own life and start to do for herself and realize who she is and stand for what she wants and go for it. And it's such a beautiful scene because she's defeated at the beginning, of course. She doesn't know what to do or how to do it. And the more and more she trains with this warrior, the better she gets. And the Dahomey Amazons, just so you guys know, um, they were frontline soldiers in the arming of the Kingdom of Dahomey, which is a West African empire that existed from the years 1625 to 1894. So today, that's actually called Benin, not um, Dahomey. And it occupies like on a silver between Nigeria and I think the place is called Togo. So these women were known, these Amazons were known for their fearlessness. And they were in one of the final battles against the French in 1892, right before um, the kingdom had become a French colony. Sorry. And out of the 440 Amazons, only 17 came back alive. But these women were trained. They were monarchs. They were legends and historians. And they were real women. And in this, Hippolyta becomes one. And they fight a war very quickly she realizes her place and that she's grown. And then she says, I am Hippolyta, George's wife. And in that moment, you still see that this woman can go absolutely anywhere because Serafina from the white, you know, the future told her, where do you want to be? So she has the opportunity to explore everything that she wants to explore and in this moment, she wants to see her husband and she has questions for him. And it's an important scene. It's a beautiful scene. And the acting is just monumental. But she reminds her husband that she shrunk who she is to be there for him and to be a good wife and to be the wife that white America and that America in general that the world in general has made women to be, but specifically black women, to shrink themselves for the man and always put the man first. And it was an ode to her putting herself first. So at the end of their conversation, instead of saying, I am Hippolyta, George's wife, or that's just not it anymore. After saying that to him, she finally realizes, I am Hippolyta, the discoverer the person that she's always wanted to be, the career path that she has always wanted to choose. And while doing that, George decides to go with her. And it was beautiful to see him do something to support her dreams. And that's what I got from it. I was a hot mess, you guys. I was crying because it's all about the people in your lives as well. And there are a lot of people in our lives that are going to hinder us. And while they may mean well, they may hold us back in ways that are unacceptable to the world that we 
have to live for ourselves. We have to be able to be our own our own people. I and my husband are together all the time, but we are such individuals. He knows all of my dreams and aspirations and all of the things that I'm doing and working on. And he's so supportive of it. And I'm so grateful. And I pray for everyone to have that as well. And if you do not have that, make it clear and make moves because we have one life to live and we shouldn't be living it just to exist. We should actually be living it living. And that is what I got from this entire episode. It is such beauty. And I want to read um, a couple of the quotes that Miss Hippolyta said that stuck out to me. So one of them is, I became the kind of Negro woman white folks want me to be. I feel like they just found a smart way to lynch me without me even noticing. That was the full quote of the one I said earlier. So here are my thoughts. I believe that this episode specifically will be Emmy nominated. I believe that the actors will be nominated for Emmys. I want you guys to remember this because you heard me say it. It's going to happen. This show in, in, in its entirety will be nominated for an Emmy as well. We will be getting second season, third season. I believe it. It is too good to pass up on. Misha Green, we have a lot more to see of this woman. And she is so talented, so creative. I, I hope to work with her one day. This show breaks barriers for black people in Hollywood, for TV. Hopefully film can take this route as well. Here's to seeing more of us. I wanna urge that if you have a dream, if there's something that you want to do and that you feel will bring purpose to your life and to others, go for it. Don't hold back. Let's build our legacies. We have so much to discover about ourselves. And I hope that this episode, if you watch it, hits you the way that it hit me and ignites another level of monster in you in the best way for you to go towards what you want. So I'm going to end this with a quote by Hippolyta. How can I fit everything that I am back into this space? I hope you know what that means. You'll know once you watch it. Thank you guys for watching. I mean, for listening. <laughs> Bye, you guys.